This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Congratulations, Scott and Tammy. Likely you've reflected on this day for some time, understanding that Scripture talks about the importance of ascending church and those laborers who would be willing to go out and serve. And uh, you also have come to appreciate a relationship that means prayer and encouragement and hopefully many other things in the days, weeks, and, and years ahead. I know deputation's been demanding, maybe even grueling at times, as you've bounced around and been in so many churches yet had an opportunity to minister, had an opportunity to build a team, a team of supporters, churches and individuals who got excited about the passion that keeps your heart beating, that keeps your sight looking east, soon to be there. And they'll be praying for you. They'll be financially supporting you. And I hope that that's a blessing and encouragement to you. I'm humbled. When pastor asked me recently if I would be willing to share a charge with you, I couldn't help but reflect on the fact I was up here on this stage but a few months ago myself with my dear wife. And I can appreciate um, what all that means. And I hope, again, it's a blessing to you. My mind turned pretty quickly to a couple of thoughts uh, when he did ask me, first to the overseas churches that impacted mine and Michelle's lives and our family's lives probably as much, if not more so, than any other church that we've been, about, we've been a part of. And I, and I hope to help you understand that a little more clearly in the, in the things that I'll try to share with you tonight. The, the other place that my mind turned was to a young pastor who was getting some advice, an advice from one who had served faithfully, who had run a good course, and that, of course, is Paul speaking to Timothy. And so we'll find ourselves tonight in 2 Timothy um, and chapter 4. Now, church, this is going to be seemingly like a private conversation a lot between Scott and Tammy and me and maybe Christian from time to time. But I hope you'll hear and I hope you'll listen. And the reason I do is because lots of times, you know, pastors probably already has, in fact, alluded to the fact that we have a privilege, a responsibility to hold them up in prayer. And, and I prayed for missionaries for years. I prayed with some of you for missionaries. And, and I know the kinds of things that often run through my mind. God, keep them safe. God, keep them healthy. God, meet their needs. God, give them fruit for their labor. And those are all worthy prayer requests. They really are. But I will tell you that if you really want to pray for a missionary, you've got to dig a little bit deeper than that. There are other things that you can and should think about. And so I hope as we look at what Paul had to say to Timothy... As I share with them some thoughts, some points, if you want to call it that, think about whether or not that might be a way that you can pray for them. And so for that reason, please listen in on our conversation, all right? Young Timothy, clearly in a pastoral ministry, in a place that's dealing with a lot of difficulties, a lot of philosophies, Diana worship, other philosophies and influences there that would make his ministry challenges very, very great. We know that Timothy was a, was a young man, and 
So some people would find fault with that, much like they'll find fault with just about anything. And we know Timothy even dealt with some health issues. Maybe his stomach, maybe some other problems. So there were a lot of things that were working against Timothy, even as he tried to fulfill his obligations in the ministry. And that's what being in the ministry is all about. Dealing with challenges and still going forward for the Lord. So here we find ourselves in chapter 4, in the first five verses, with a charge that Paul offers to Timothy. And if you're there, you can follow along with me as I read. Beginning in verse number 1, I charge ye therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap up to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Father, would you just open our hearts and minds to this truth tonight. Help it to be profitable for all who hear it. And Lord, encourage your servants, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A charge, he says. I offer you a charge. Well, that word has an important meaning. It it literally means to admonish solemnly or, or to urge earnestly. It's not just some casual suggestion he's offering, but Paul is giving this from the very depth of his heart because he understands the urgency of it. It's interesting that this word that is, that is translated charge here is found also over one other time in Luke chapter 16 in the story, the account there of Abraham and a rich man. A rich man who has died and is in torments. And he's having a conversation with Abraham and if you're familiar with it, you'll remember that as it ends, he asks Abraham to send Lazarus back. Send him back to his five brothers. He says to testify to them so that they might not have to be in torments themselves. That word testify is the same as this word charge. And if you think about the urgency with which that rich man wanted Lazarus to go back, he did not want them in torments. It helps us to understand the urgency with which Paul is sharing this message with this young man, a young man he knew well. A young man had a great spiritual heritage. A young man who had watched him serve, who he had served with side by side at some points in time. And yet, he feels compelled to share this with him. Some suggest that Paul may have had this urgency because he knows the time. He's near the end of his life, near the end of his ministry. Here's some things I have to say before God takes me off the scene. I think it's more than that. I think Paul understands, and I think Timothy understands as well, that we who would preach the word of God, we who would stand and proclaim the truth, We have an accountability. That accountability is to God for the things that we say, perhaps for the things we do not say, for being idle or for being productive, for offering the gospel or, God forbid, another gospel. Paul understood all those things, and so he offers this charge because he understands the urgency of it. So I want to look briefly at two of these verses and consider some specific instructions, two primary thoughts, and a few other thoughts along with that. 
The first is found in verse number two. We'll read it again. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The first thing I would suggest to you is that it's all about God's message. It's all about God's message. You know, the impact that you're going to have will most be influenced by the word of God. Your presence will be important. Your love will be important. But it'll be the truth that you impart to those folks that's really going to make a difference in their lives then and beyond. And this is a power-packed verse. Lots of action there. What they should do, what he should do, when he should do it, and how he should do it. And he starts with something that, that seems almost elementary, talking from one preacher to another. Preach the word. Think, why start there? Do I really, does Timothy really need to be reminded to preach the word? And I would say to you, yes. Yes, apparently he does. Why might God suggest that? Well, because there are plenty of opportunities out there to be drawn away. For our attention to be put someplace else, to capture ourselves in conversations and discussions and arguments and other kinds of things that take up our time, take up our energy, take up our focus, maybe even take up our pulpit, that are not preaching the word of God. You can go in plenty of churches and hear lots of messages. You've been in hundreds of them lately. Maybe you've heard some of these messages where you sit there and wonder, what Bible is that? Where is that coming from? Why is that so compelling that you would ask all these people to come, all these people to listen, the Holy Spirit to empower and strengthen you, and then offer them something else? Some people will come to you compelled, needful, wanting for you to share with them this truth helping them to deal with an issue, a problem, a struggle, whatever it might be, that'll be a blessing. That'll be an encouragement to you. But there'll also be those who have rabbit trails in mind. You'll recall from one of our seminars, even last week, Pastor Long talked about the fact that some of your young airmen, they'll come to you seeking to get you to buy into their perspective, to buy into their concerns against the chain of command, against the military force that they're a part of, and our challenge is to take the word of God and help them to be the very best that they can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We must preach the word. He tells them here, interestingly, as the verse continues, that they need to be instant or constant. He says, in season and out of season. In season and out of season. An interesting contrast. In season, literally meaning at opportune times. Those wonderful times when you have the chance to pray and study and prepare and deliver a message or a Bible study or a devotion or a one-on-one -on -one counseling session. Opportune times when you know that people are coming with an expectation to receive and to hear and to do. Those will be a great encouragement to you. But you also get to preach out of season. You get to preach at those times when it's not convenient at all. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. It's 
Saturday afternoon after an aircraft crash, and you've got to deal with a difficult circumstance like that. It's during a deployment when someone gets an email or a phone message that tells them, I'm not interested in you anymore. I'm going a different direction. I found someone else. Those inopportune times, those difficult circumstances when you still have to be ready to preach the word. And then he kind of characterizes it for us after telling us that we're going to reprove, rebuke, exhort. I think a reminder to us that any time we open this book, any time we share God's truth, it ought to be for a purpose. And that purpose ought to be honor God with his truth and impact lives. But then he tells them that they need to do it. Here he says, first, with long-suffering. With long-suffering. Literally being patient. Persevering. And I think those are two different things. There will be those that will test you. You'll recall even again this past week we heard about... Um, a reminder to us that 1 Corinthians 12 describes for us the body of Christ. It's made up of many members. And we're reminded that God hath set those members. And sometimes you're going to probably scratch your head and say, God, why did you set that member in Faith Baptist Church? Couldn't you have set them someplace else? Couldn't you move up their orders date, Lord? And yet God has put them there so that you can minister to them. You know, sometimes it's, it can be easy when you're interacting with a, someone who really isn't well studied in the scripture or is just foolish. You, 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 can, you can crush them with truth sometimes. But is that going to win them over? I, I love what he shares with Timothy just two chapters prior. Look over at chapter 2 and look at verses 23 to 26, because I believe these are directly related to, it, to each other. He says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the, God, of the Lord must not strive. In other words, he must not quarrel. He must not dispute. But he must be gentle or, or mild or kind unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledgement, acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. They really do. They don't understand it, but they're opposing themselves. And he reminds Timothy that the way to get to them is with patience and with meekness. It's a challenge, but with God's help we can do it. And then he says, not just with long-suffering, but at the end of verse 2, with doctrine or, or with instruction. Now you need only look back one chapter to, to, to verses 16 and 17 and be reminded that all scripture is profitable. All scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable. And there's so much that God wants and needs to do with it. And I will tell you this is essential. The first church we were in was in Germany. Michelle and I had never been to an independent Baptist church ever in our lives. We were coming from, I've come from all kinds of places, but most recently from a Southern Baptist church. And so as we entered into that church, I was struck. Factly, I was offended. That's where I was spiritually. I was offended by the fact that, that I would be challenged that hard 
about what I believed and that what I believed could be that wrong because it's what I'd always heard. It's what I'd always seen. And yet over the period of years, it was amazing what God did. Why? Because that pastor always patiently instructed. You're going to find out that the demographic of an average military church is going to make you feel old. You are, okay? <laughs> the twi- the, maybe the 20-somethings with two children. Many of them maybe getting saved, maybe even as a result of the gospel outreach of the ministry that you're a part of. Maybe, maybe they were in church nominally before they got there. And they bring with them all kinds of baggage, limited spiritual maturity, limited Bible understanding. And that could be viewed as a frustration. But the pastor that I had viewed it as an opportunity. And it was amazing what God did because he patiently, kindly, gently instructed with the word of God. He understood our need. And he kept going. You're, you're entering into as diverse of environment as you've probably ever been in ministry-wise. People from all around the U.S., people from all around the world, probably, not just English. And the blessing of that is that you're going to have a church that's going to make you feel like it's a little bit of heaven. Because there's going to be people speaking different languages, able to do so. People from all around the world, different colors, different ethnic backgrounds. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And you are the one that has the truth in your hands that will set them free initially and that will prepare them and strengthen them and help them along the path. So it's all about the message, I think, is the first thing he wanted them to understand. The second is found in verse number five, where we read, But thou watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Here I would say the message is, Hold nothing in reserve. Hold nothing in reserve. He begins by saying, watch thou in all things. Now, this word watch in the Greek literally means to abstain from wine, to be sober. You're old enough that you've likely seen people who didn't abstain from wine. You've seen the foolishness of it. You've seen their inability to even control themselves, let alone notice what's going on around them. And Paul says you need to be exactly the opposite of that. You need to be sober. You need to be watching in all things. Your head needs to be on a swivel. There will be philosophies out there. There will be difficulties. He explains a little bit of that in verses 3 and 4. These people that are coming from all around the world and in different parts of the U.S., they're going to bring some of that in with them. Society is moving farther away from God. We know that. We can see it all the time. You've heard and you will see firsthand. And it breaks my heart. The military is spiraling farther and farther away from God as well. And those that you will deal with may not even want to identify anything at all with God, and yet they represent an opportunity. And as you deal with them, you'll have to be extra vigilant, extra vigilant against error, extra vigilant against sin, and faithful in the performance of your duty of watching in all things. The second thing he tells them to do is to endure afflictions. 
Now, this word afflictions is the same exact word that we find over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3 when he tells Timothy that he needs to be like a good soldier, and he says you need to endure hardness. Same word, afflictions. I think most of us know what afflictions are. You're going to be working with the military. They know a lot about the privations that come with the military service. Now, I realize you're going to be working with the Air Force, and so privations for them is probably staying in an... Holiday and Express, where the bed only has two pillows instead of four. But there are challenges. And it doesn't matter what your background is, whether, whether you're on the land or on the sea or in the air, you'll feel it. You'll know it. You'll complain about it. Paul, more than anybody, understood what it was to endure afflictions. And yet he could say, and Philippians 4 and verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, a, be content. And interestingly, just back in his first letter to Timothy in chapter 6 and verse number 6, he reminds Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. It'll be important to remember that God called you to England. You're going exactly where he wanted you to go. You're going exactly where you wanted to go. Yes, you're leaving your dear son behind. And I can tell you some things about being continents away from your child. Um, you're going to pray in ways you've never prayed before. You're going to pray in ways for them that, that you've never prayed before. But God, God, will, God will help you through that. But those you minister to, Many of them, they didn't get a choice. They didn't get a vote. They got sent to England. And so they're going to moan and groan along the way. And so you've got to be extra careful there because, because it'll be easy in England to go, rain again? Really? Is there more salt for this food? This is like the blandest food I've ever eaten in my life. Maybe it's those accents Maybe it's the customs, be they English, be they Air Force, be they something else. Maybe it's just European politics. That might be an adventure all by itself. All those things would be easy things to get pulled into and be a part of. You know, it's, 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 it's funny that those who are in, in the military understand hierarchical structure. They know that there's leaders up there that they're supposed to watch. They're supposed to emulate. They're supposed to respect. And those leaders understand about, about the challenges of, that, of, that come and go. They expect their leaders to be dedicated. They expect them to be professional. And professionals, they, they take it as it comes. And they just deal with it. Sometimes in the military, we talk about sucking it up. You just keep going on. But God expects you to do more than just suck it up. Because we can, we can endure affliction in the flesh, or at least appear that we are doing it. But true contentment, true contentment is only done in the spirit of God. And that will be such a testimony uh, among, uh, before the military. Then the next thing he tells him to do after watching 
After enduring, he tells them to do the work of an evangelist. Now, here's Timothy. He's a pastor, teacher. He's got that gift. He's serving in that capacity. One of the, one of the gifts to the church that we read about in Ephesians chapter 4, where we also find the gift of the evangelist, and he reminds him, with everything else that you've got to do, don't forget to do the work of an evangelist. Now, I've seen you all out on visitation. I know you care about souls. I know you're, you're ready and grateful for the opportunity to take God's word to people. That's going to be hugely important. Now I'll take you to the, the second church that we were in. This one was in Yongsan, Korea. And now it's 20 years later. And there's a whole bunch of Browns, not just me and Michelle. And we're at a critical time in the lives of my children, in my opinion. Matt's a junior and senior in high school. Elizabeth's a couple years behind. Nathaniel, a couple years behind them. All of them old enough and clear-minded enough to absorb all that's coming out of the pulpit, to see all that's going around around them and be hugely impacted by it. And I'll tell you, I believe to this day that one of the most impacting things for them during that two-year time came on Saturday morning every week when not just I went out with the pastor or some other men went out with the pastor into Seoul with, with tracks of all different languages, but when entire families went out there. And I've heard you talk about the fact that you have a great number come out. I challenge you, involve the entire family. It is amazing how that affects young lives and the them seeing God use them. I can tell you when, when Tim was four years old and blonde, there wasn't anybody in Korea that wouldn't take a track from him. They could walk back me all day, all day long, but they'd take one from him and smile and take two maybe if he had one to give him another one. Involve families. Do the work of an evangelist. That's probably a, a, one of the more powerful ways to influence the young people in my opinion. And then the last thing he tells him to do here, and I'll be done, make full proof of their ministry. One commentator said this is basically suggesting fulfill whatever God wants you to do. There's no requirement to be like others. Timothy's church wasn't going to necessarily be like one Paul had planted someplace else. Yours is not going to be exactly like any of the hundreds of churches that you've been in. But you still have to make full proof of the opportunity. Take every advantage of the opportunity you have. Again, I'd like to take you to another, uh, some other verses of Scripture because I think here Paul offers us a testimony of sorts of what this meant to make full proof of their ministry. It's found in Acts chapter 20. And there, I'm going to read verses 17 to 21. Paul's been traveling a lot before that. And he says, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in the weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul held nothing back. He made full proof of the ministry 
And I challenge you, brother, do the same thing. Give your full strength, your full heart, your full mind to the effort and the opportunity that is before you. Hold nothing back. Seize every opportunity. Well, I'm excited for you. In part, in fact, I'm a little jealous, frankly, because I, I, I cannot tell you how much in my heart I am encouraged every time I think back to those churches overseas. It really is unique. And I'm excited for what God will be able to do as you look to him, as you follow him, as you challenge them to follow him. A chance to have a very profound impact. I liked something you said this morning, and I heard a similar sentiment from a pastor friend, the one we had in Germany that we've been there for 40 years. We've known him for 35 of those years. I asked him a few years back when I was trying to wrap my head a little tighter around military ministry um, and just some things um, that are meaningful and things that you learn along the way. And as a coach, you can appreciate this, a former coach. He said, my job certainly is to introduce the lost to the gospel. My job is to disciple these folks and to teach them, to train them, to instruct them day in and day out, week after week, month after month, day, year after year, until that Sunday when I wave goodbye. Because my task at the end of the day is to build somebody else's bench. That's what it's all about. And that's what it's going to be about for you, as you said this morning. When you come back on deputation, not deputation, on furlough, you're done with deputation, praise God, almost. Furlough, and you're in a church in Oklahoma, or Wisconsin, or Florida, and you meet one of those young airmen, and they're serving faithfully Amen. in a church. Amen. And you realize, God, thank you, that we could have any part in what you wanted to do. Remember, it's all about God's message. It's all about God's message. Preach the truth whenever and wherever it is needed. And also expect the work to be hard. Expect to need to endure affliction, but hold nothing in reserve. And remember that at the end of the day or the middle of the day or the beginning of the day, whenever you need to remember it, that there is a church. There are many churches that are praying for you, that love you, that love the work that God is accomplishing through you. There's an AFBM family that's praying for you. Michelle and I will be praying for you. And as God allows, I hope to walk some of that ground with you one day and see what God is doing firsthand. God has great plans for Faith Baptist Church in Lakenheath because he's a great God and because he does great work. And I'm thankful that you get to enjoy the privilege of service that's before you. I would say, behold the hand of God as he works. It'll be a great thing, and we'll all rejoice in it. Father, thank you for these dear servants. Would you, I pray, strengthen them, enable them Amen. by your spirit to be truth carriers, be those who would equip, those who would love, those who would comfort, those who would do what is necessary to do the work that you've called them to. We thank you for them. We love them and we ask you to send them with your blessing, God, and to use them 
in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.